Hi. Hey, how's it going? Noodle. Noodle. Use your noodle. <laughs> noodle. Do the noodle dance. Oh. Oh. Or is this anything like the wacky, waving, inflatable, alarm inflated in the tube band? No. Oh. Do you not remember the noodle dance? I don't. From PB&J Otter? No. On, on Playhouse Disney? This or? is a new experience for me. <laughs> Oh my god! That was—I'm surprised. That was actually like our generation's thing. Oh, really? It was Playhouse Disney. It was like these little otters, and every episode they would have to. It was like Jimmy Neutron's brain blast. Do you oh. remember that? Yes, I do. Okay, it was like that, but they would do a, like a noodle dance where I they would see. use their noodle brain blast. Brain blast! Oh my god! Show. <laughs> Oh my gosh, talk about toxic masculinity, that Jimmy Neutron. He wasn't great. His dad was the opposite of toxic masculinity. Aww, All he cared about was ducks and pie. His dad. What a great show. That's a big N-O there, Jimbo. Speaking of nostalgic things mm-hmm. that I that were pivotal in my life this mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. Um, so you saw that like Weezer put out the Teal album, right? I did not see that. Oh my gosh! So okay. okay, so Weezer's putting out an album, the Black album, in March, but they did like a little kind of teaser album with the Teal album. It's ten cover songs, okay. and they're all amazing. Oh my gosh! One of them being tlc's no scrubs oh my god right? great song right. oh my okay. god can you tell where the song where the this, this story is going yet so <laughs> no i can't good <laughs> no scrubs so anyway so i send the, the song to producer ian i was like oh my mm. god weezer did cover songs look at this <laughs> and he sends me back is this a cover and i was like what what do you mean is this a cover <laughs> What? <laughs> Ian, I'm, I'm side-eyeing you right now. Okay. And so apparently he'd never, in his nearly 30 years on this planet, has never heard TLC's No Scrubs. Thankfully, he has heard of Waterfall, but I'm sorry to throw you under the bus, dear. Oh but <laughs> I couldn't no believe scrubs. this. I was No floored. Scrubs is such a good song, too. Floored. I was like, like I, I feel like this is like almost a violation as egregious as the upside-down toilet yeah, paper yeah. from the Halloween party. Did you hear... Um, I think Backstreet Boys put out a new album. Another oh, that's because they were on um, they were on what ABC this morning. I think yeah, they sing yeah. they sing everybody Backstreet's back, oh but they quacked the at, whole thing. Backstreet's at what point quack. are they? Yeah, I was just about to ask. At what point are they just like the forward road men? I don't know. But apparently now, apparently we were just remain Backstreet Boys forever, <laughs> quacking <laughs> our hits from the nineties. Oh man, that's where we're at. It's where we're at. at. It's you know nostalgia. Is mm. Nostalgia and duck. So duck, it's coming for you. Yeah, you know over overcome. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we are back with our yeah, second welcome. episode this season. Welcome back, conspiracies and cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. Oh, no, so you're back. Hi, so you're thanks back. for joining us. So uh, each uh, every two weeks we discuss uh, a, a cryptid and a conspiracy of our choosing. It's always a surprise. So well, we don't. It's usually a surprise. Usually a surprise. Sometimes last we, week was not a surprise. We threw a fast <laughs> one on you. Last but, week was not a surprise, and when we like swap topics, it wasn't a surprise. No. But, but but most of the time, yeah. it's a surprise because we're learning just as much as you guys are. We're and sometimes you guys know more than, than us about this stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, but we always flip a coin, a penny for your thoughts. Let's see who goes first. I will flip first this week. Okay. So you pick heads or tails. Okay. I'll say use your head, heads. Oh, it's tails. Tails. Oh, oh I go first. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh my god. You could sense my excitement because I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about my topic this week. Okay. So I am so ready to learn you guys this week. I've got a really good one. I um, can't wait. I've got a really good one that I didn't know about. Mm. I mean, I feel like I know about a lot of cryptids, but there are a couple out there that apparently I do not know about. And when I don't know about them, it floors me, not in a bad way. Like, I just get so, so excited to learn about a new cryptid. Oh. So this okay. one, sometime between February 5th, 2012 and November 30th, 2016, a new cryptid came into being. What? And for some reason, like I said, it completely evaded my knowledge until last week when my brother, Joel, bombarded me with information about it. And then you posted an article that oh. was kind of related to it. Hey, I sneakily teased this. And like, do you feel teased? <laughs> but it's like, I didn't really know about it until like I heard my brother talk about it. And then you posted an article and then I was looking into it and I was like, oh my God, there's a cryptid here. But yeah, so there's, I mean, there's fan theories, there's fan art, there's everything you could possibly want. I'm on the edge of my seat. This creature has survived for thousands of years under the thick ice of an Antarctic lake and can mimic any species. Awesome! We're talking about Organism 46B. Ooh, weird. That's, I've that's never heard of this. That's the only name it's got is Organism 46B or 46 Bravo, if you want to use like military terms. 46 Bravo. So to understand the origin of 46B, we also need to understand the origin of where it's from. As far back as the 19th century, that's the 1800s because, you know, time is stupid. And I think that if it's the 19th century, it should be the 1900s. But that's you know. just me. That's a conspiracy. <laughs> that's so as far, we've already been over the time, have, <laughs> time hypothesis. So as far back as the 1800s, scientists theorized about the possibility of freshwater lakes deep under the Antarctic ice. Then, in 1957, a Russian research station was established on the continent and named Vostok Station as a place to measure the thickness of ice sheets. In 1974, British scientists used ice-penetrating uh, satellites that gave them unusual readings. Or, no, ice-penetrating radar, not satellites. Satellites is later. Um, that gave them unusual readings that suggested there might actually be water under the ice. Oh. Which, like I said, this was just a theory, mm -hmm. you know, that they were talking about, like, continents under the ice and mm -hmm. water and lakes and stuff i've always thought there must be yeah. land under there well i mean I there mean, there is land under there but it's like but so like far permafrost 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 so but it wasn't until 1991 when jeff ridley a specialist from the mullard space science laboratory at university college london university college that sounds so redundant oh, yes. um he used european satellite ers-1 to confirm the presence of the lake then, at 8.25 p.m. on February 6, 2012, drills hit lake water at 12,355 feet, or 3,766 meters. Who left this lake here? Right? Just, I mean, where did this come from? But, I mean, think about that. They dug down, they drilled through 12,000 feet of ice. Holy cow. And then there's just a lake down there. There's just a lake down there. Just chilling. And it, and it wasn't long after this fateful day that some sort of a counter happened between Russian scientists and what is now called Organism 46B. Oh, my. So, description of what 46B is. It's about 33 feet or 10 meters long. It has 14 tentacles. Yep, you heard that right. Similar to the glass octopus. Oh. Which is a... 
it's a form of octopus that can like really well like really really decent like, i can't figure out the words come on english you are my first language i can do this you can do this <laughs> so it can camouflage really well okay you All know right. like it can change its consistency and color and even like the texture of its body to blend into its surroundings weird so they're saying that it's similar to that um the tentacles are animate and aggressive even after amputation Ew. Can they can can it like grow a new body if it like you know like a tentacle separates? I don't know about that. I just know that the tentacles will still move and attack after being separated. Weird. And it'll still attack with its bloody stumps. Ew. Ew. Stumpy. Um, It can create an immobilizing toxin that can affect prey from 150 feet away. You made me ink. You made me ink. Mm. But because you made me ink, I'm going to paralyze your whole body. You know. Aggressive. <laughs> this, this thing sounds like a treat. It's hostile. I bet it's a delicacy somewhere. It, well, it might be. <laughs> you never know. Yes. It, so it's very hostile. Very hostile. Very intelligent. And it can shapeshift into almost any species. Oh, my. Not just camouflage. This thing can shapeshift and turn into things. So it's like you think it's a little <clears throat> anglerfish just hanging out there. And then psych, no, it's a organism. It's a It's a... 14 tentacle, 33 foot long octopus. Squid. Squid. So, one of the former members of the project, Dr. Anton Padalka, began leaking information about the creature and the secret activities happening at Lake Vostok once he acquired sanctuary in Switzerland. So, basically, he was so upset about some of the things going on that he literally, like, ran away and, like, got sanctuary in Switzerland. Wow. He's like, he ran away. He's like, I'm telling. Yeah. Basically. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, the research team that included Padalka encountered 46B on the first day of their exploration to the lake. He said it disabled our radio, which we later learned to our alarm was intentional. No. <sighs> so oh, can it use tools? Or just, I mean, it's just really dexterous. Well, I, I don't know. It must be dexterous enough to be able to turn off a radio system. Really? Permanently. Um, he also he continued by saying it is also able to paralyze prey from a distance of up to 150 feet by releasing its venom into the water. Tragically, my colleague and lifelong friend was killed this way. Yeah. Sad. During another encounter, the group of scientists were attacked and the creature used its venom to catch, then eat one of the researchers. Woo. Padalka said he tread water wearing a blissful smile as the organism approached him. So it, like, paralyzed him, and he was, like, you know, completely, like, zoned out. We watched hopelessly as it used its arms to tear off the man's head, then popped its remains into its mouth. It was as if he had hypnotized him telepathically. That's a horrifying right? image. Oh, my Just, like, God. And he's, like, smiling the whole Paralyzed way him, and then, like, you know, like, makes at least... made him, like, calm down, I guess. And then, like, you know, you ripped know? him apart. It's still gross. Ooh. According to Padalka, he and a few marine biologists came across a crew member on an observation mission. However, this was not actually a crew member, but by the time they figured that out, it had resumed its natural form and ripped one of the biologists to pieces. It took the form of a person. Tess. That's it became what? it it transformed, it morphed, if you will, into a 
person. It kind of reminds me that, like, what was that? Was it in the SpongeBob movie where it's like you think it's the little granny lady, but it's like the tongue of yeah. the. Yeah. <laughs> she was selling ice cream. Like, yeah. Like, come on, Sonny. Kind of like that. So, but it, like, takes the form yeah. of a person. Yes. That's weird. Yes. That's weird. Yes. So. Stay in your species. <laughs> So it shaped itself into the form of a human diver. We thought it was one of my colleagues swimming towards us in scuba gear. But by the time the closest scientist had realized what it was, it had grabbed him and torn him into bits. They were able to escape because one member of the team hacked off one of its tentacles, but the limb continued to attack. <laughs> Later that night, it slid across the ice bank and strangled her. Oh, oh my. The tentacle. Just the dismembered tentacle went over and just strangled somebody. Like it had somebody. a life of it or a mind of its like, own. It has no body to feed. No. It's just vengeance. Yep. There's vengeance in a tentacle. Yep. A, vengeance a, is mine. Say at the tentacle. Venge, vengeical. A vengeical. Vengeical. <laughs> a revengeical. A revengeical. There we go. <laughs> so after that mishap, the Russians used their most agile crew member, a Doctor Marta Kalashnik as bait in order to successfully capture the creature. They used her as what? They used them Who, as bait. Why did she draw the... Sh they're, he, they're, he, they, they, they drew the short straw. I don't know why. Because they were, the most, they were the most agile. Wow. And, you know, the Russians, they were just that's, like... Mm, that's true. You, so I guess you'll get you away. You are fast, so we send you to be bait. Apparently. That was, that was my terrible Russian impression. Terrible. Terrible. Um, once they... Uh, once they brought it to the surface, Russian officials immediately took control of the creature and informed the international press that nothing had been found. Oh, nothing to see here. Padalka went on to state that the Russian government plans to weaponize 46B's paralyzing, paralyzing venom as well as its shape-shifting abilities. Oh, so, well, of course. Yeah, so, like, after all of this, after seeing, you know, multiple friends die, he, you know, was like, no, peace out. I'm, I'm nope. done. <laughs> Dos vedanya. Yeah. And yes. headed off to Switzerland. Gone. 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 Wow. So there are some explanations as to what this is. One of them is that it's a squid, just some form of undiscovered squid. Really angry squid. Um, one is that it is a hoax. You know, just, just, they just, just a creepypasta. They're just bored. You know. Someone's bored. One of them is that it's extraterrestrial life form that's been frozen under the ice for thousands of years. So it's Which an alien. I'll believe. I mean, that sounds like an alien. You know, it does it not sure sound does. like a, you know, normal earth creature. Exactly. Even like a ancient one. So extraterrestrial. And the last is that it's simply the reports of the microorganisms that have actually been discovered, but blown out of proportion. Interesting. So in other news, though. Oh. In other news, in late 2016, many world political and religious leaders met in Antarctica for reasons that have yet to be disclosed. Theories as to their reasons for their meeting range anywhere from the effects of climate change on Antarctica to studies of organism 46B to alien life forms summoning world leaders as a way to give orders. Whether or not this has anything to do with the paranormal, it still remains uncertain, but regardless, it's very suspicious. And this yeah. is this is a real thing. Weird. Like, as far as 46B goes, there's not really any hard evidence. Like, you know, with things like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, there's not a lot of hard evidence. It's It kind of plays out a lot like a creepypasta. Yeah, yeah. You know? A little bit, um, yeah. Because it, it, sounds, it sounds like a movie. Sounds yeah. Like somebody had... You some... know, not to mention, oh, like, a couple of the places I looked at were, like, 
Well, think about it this way. When they drill to find things, the holes that they drill are only a couple inches wide. Not really big enough for divers to go down in. Exactly. So, um... Imaginations run wild. Yeah. So it's like, probably this is just a creepypasta story, but there are enough people that believe in it, and there is enough suspicious stuff going on around it that it qualifies it as a cryptid, and it's it's super creepy, and I love it. Because there's definitely stuff, like leftover in the permafrost oh yeah like chunking off like i i mean there's even been a couple of things i don't think i ever found out what it ended up being but there was this like feathered dolphin like seal thing Mm. that washed up kind of near canada i know it's the other side of the globe but uh it washed up over there and people were like what is this and they were thinking it like fell off of an iceberg went or a glacier when mm. it like started to melt and stuff. And now we're getting these things that are just yeah. kind of like washing up places that are thousands and thousands of years yeah. old. Also, I mean, have you ever thought of what if we unleash a virus? That yeah. Like, a virus that, you know, should like froze and died out that we're not for. immune to anymore. Um, I've heard other theories about this whole Antarctica thing that since there is a continent under there, there is land deep, deep down, maybe, there's like ancient civilizations there from a time where it was warmer and maybe my favorite one, maybe it's Atlantis. Oh. And when it sunk, it froze over oh. during an ice age. Well, hey, if you guys stay tuned for after the break, we're going to kind of sort of talk about this. Sorry, my topic was Deep so peace. short today, guys. I'm sorry. That's okay. We're going to flesh it out. We're going to flesh it out. Oh, God. We unintentionally matched. We did. Oh, God. Okay. We did. All right. Well, I'll keep, keep tuned for that, guys. We'll be right back. Awesome. For you, the conspirators listening to Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I just personally want to recommend the book Tales of the Cryptids, Mysterious Creatures That May or May Not Exist by Kelly Milner. It literally goes into so much detail about cryptids that we've talked about, ones that we haven't talked about, and probably ones that we're going to talk about. But it gives you so much information, and I've even gotten some information from it for our podcast. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash cryptopod. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash cryptopod for your free audiobook. And don't forget, Big Big Brother Brother is is watching. watching. All right, we're back. All right, so all right, so nice little break. Little break. So we talked about the what's in the permafrost. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have any friends that are flat, flat earthers, right? Uh, I don't think so. Thankfully, I so don't think so. I'll eventually cover that topic, but I haven't quite decided how to tread that one. It's a lightly big topic. It is. It is because there are a lot of believers still. Yeah. But uh, so instead, we're going to we're going to talk about something kind of similar, but a little different. Okay. Same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. But different. So instead, (laughs) we're going to throw back a few centuries to a different theory about the Earth, one that has gone as far as inspiring several books, movies and other media. The science classes taught today explain that the Earth is made up of several layers of molten rock from the nougaty core to the chewy inner mantle to the gooey outer mantle. And finally, our crusty layers seasoned by us salty humans. Oh, my God. Crunchy, <laughs> savory, delicious. Delicious humans. <laughs> <laughs> but what if I told you that the Earth is hollow with a portal to the underworld hidden somewhere in, a, in Antarctica or possibly at both poles? I mean, have you been to Antarctica? I have not. So how do we know? I love the whole portals to hell thing. There are so many potential portals to hell. There's a lot. There's one that's apparently in the catacombs in Rome. Oh, we'll get there. 
And there's there's a lot. There's one in like a mountain. They're all over. Like a like in fact, a there's one here in mountain. California. Want to go hiking? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So hollow earth theory is a historical concept provo- proposing that the earth is entirely hollow or contains a substantial interior space. There's so much room for activities in there, guys. Like, it's bigger on the inside. It's bigger on the inside. <laughs> the idea predates modern science and has been used as inspiration for several religious texts and beliefs mm-hmm. all over the globe. Mm-hmm. It officially popped up in science sometime in the 17th century and was disproven by the next... You know, so that's the 1600s and the yes. 1700s. See, I feel like I'm the only one that needs it explained. I do, too. Though. It's okay. <laughs> it's totally. I had to look it up. Okay, like, good. It's not just me. Doubly sure. Usually I'm the one that's like, okay, the 1600s. That's, that's okay. You like, know, the way I remember it is mm. 20th Century Fox started in the 1900s. The 90s. So. Yeah, I feel like it's easy for for us because we've been in two centuries. Exactly. Yeah. But it's still difficult. We, we when straddle. it gets when it gets past the 20th century, I'm like, what year is that? What year? <laughs> <laughs> what year is it, good sir? So, some still tried to defend it in the 1800s, but it was already widely considered a crackpot theory. Right. Uh, the cra- concept mostly cons- exists today in folklore and fictional texts, but without any outlying <laughs> scientific theory, there are still some like avid believers out there. Right. So, the, I loved this picture. This is the the one of the initial drawings of what Hollow Earth is supposed to look like. Agartha. Agartha. We'll get there. Okay. But... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's bigger on the inside. So in it's fact, like it's like a hell TARDIS. Essentially. And there's like all kinds of dates that like have to do with the timeline of how this was. It's very centric on humans. I, of course. I mean, obviously. Because we're the center of the universe. So you mentioned Agartha. Agartha is on the map. According to this theory, uh, so along with this theory comes an Atlantic an Atlantis-like community mm-hmm. called Agartha. It's a kingdom believed to be located inside the Earth's core. Okay. The 19th, 19th century French oculist, with a name I can't pronounce, uh, published the first reliable account of Agartha in Europe. And I say that lightly. Reliable. It was like reliable, really? According to him, quote, <laughs> secret, the secret world of Agartha and all its wisdom and wealth will be accessible for all mankind when Christianity lives up to the commandments which were once drafted by Moses and God, end quote. Or, quote, or. When the anarchy which exists in our world is replaced by the synarchy. Well, good luck with that, because that's not going to happen. Wait, what's synarchy? Uh, I, I, I take it if you know, anarchy is like, I'm an individual and I can rule myself. Okay. You know, anti-archy. So synarchy would be everybody's same, same, but different. Oh. Okay. I'll have I've, to Google that. Yeah, I've, I've never heard that word before. That's a new word so for maybe, me. So uh, maybe this guy's just making stuff up. Uh, let's ask Siri. Hey, Siri, what does synarchy mean? No, that's synergy. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> Hang on. I'll Google it real quick. You keep going. Okay. I'm going to Google it. Sammy's going to Google it. So <clears throat> uh, let your imagines run, imaginations run wild, guys, because that'll never happen. He offers a pretty detailed description of Agartha as if it were a place that really exists, situated in the Himalayas of Tibet. His version of history of Agartha is based on what he calls revealed information, but offering no primary source, meaning he's pretty much the only authority on the matter. So, I mean, did you see it or like, so like this guy kind of has some overlapping rules here. Okay, so sorry. Go ahead. Synarchism generally means joint rule or harmonious rule. So once we like basically world peace. 
Yeah. From what I understand. Basically world peace. Yeah. So you could like, so we'll never meet Agartha. No. no. We'll, we'll never reach world peace despite how many, you know, um, Miss America's wish for it. Exactly. <laughs> so there are allegedly several entrances to Agartha, mm-hmm. including one here in California, like I mentioned. Where is it? I'll get there. Uh, hurry up. Oh. <laughs> so we've got Kentucky Mammoth Cave in South Central Kentucky, uh, Manaus, Brazil, uh, Morona, Santiago in Ecuador, Mato Grosso in Brazil, Iguazu Falls between Brazil and Argentina, Mount em- uh, Empomeo in Italy, uh, the Himalayan Mountains in Tibet, where the entrance is apparently guarded by Hindu monks. Okay. Mongolia, mm-hmm. Rama, Rama, India, the Great Pyramid of Giza, King Solomon's Mines, the North and South Poles, Darrow Caves, also connected to Atlantis, and Mount Shasta, California. <gasps> that's only like two hours away. Yeah, that's not far. In fact, we went camping near, there not too long ago. The Agarthian city of Telos allegedly sits inside and beneath the mountain. Oh, my God. So we've got a whole little little colony up here in oh, California. Okay. So we're going there like next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead north. Uh, so and also an early source for the belief in underground civilizations is the novel The Smoky God, written in 1908 by Willis George Emerson. It claims that to be the biography of a Norwegian sailor named Olaf Janssen. The book explains how Janssen's ship sailed through an entrance to the Earth's interior at the North Pole. For two years, Janssen lived with the inhabitants of an underground network of colonies who, Emerson writes, were a full 12 feet tall and whose world was lit by a smoky central sun. Their capital city was said to be the original Garden of Eden. While Emerson doesn't specifically use the name Agartha in this text, later works have identified the civilization Janssen encountered as Agartha. Hmm. Okay. There's also Operation High Jump. Of course, you know, what would a, a mythical underground civilization be without a little Nazi history? Of course. You know. uh, of course. Right. So in 1947. Uh, okay. Sorry. Every conspiracy goes back to Nazis. <laughs> back to Every Nazis. single one. It's well, starting to get like. It's going to have to be a like section a cliche, in my rundown now. It's like a cliche. Yeah, that should be part of every rundown now. Exactly. How does this tie into Nazis? How does this tie into Nazis? <laughs> So in 1947, Secretary of the Navy James Forrestal sent Navy Task Force a Navy Task Force to the Antarctic, including Admirals Nimitz, Krusen, and Byrd, called Operation High Jump. It's widely known as an expedition to find coal deposits and other valuable resources, mm-hmm. but some conspiracists believe they were looking for the underground base of the Aryan race. Oh, God. Yeah. We're... Oh, okay. All right. The Nazis had allegedly done a very detailed study of the Antarctic and were alleged to have built an underground base there, something conspirators may remember from my German Bell episode yep. from last year. Yep. So that's apparently where the German Bell is, too. Oh. And Agartha. God, and of course, I would go into making a Doctor Who reference and one that references a Doctor Who reference I made in a previous episode. Because I referred to it as a Nazi Dalek bell. Yes. Exactly. And now I've got, you know, a TARDIS hell. The TARDIS hell. Exactly. Oh, my God. It's bigger on the inside. So it's, I, oh, that's a weird coincidence <laughs> that both of my Doctor Who references are, are related to are each related. other. Are related. Okay. So, Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. In ancient times, <laughs> the concept of a subterranean land inside the earth appeared in mythology, folklore, and legends. In fact, it became intertwined with many concept places of origin or afterlife. Like the Greek underworld, the Nordic Svaltar Fehermir. 
think I said that right. Uh, which is basically their underworld. Okay. Christian hell or the the Jewish underworld. It's also seen in which they don't technically believe in an afterlife, but there is a uh, a you know place of damnation. Uh, it's also seen as the Tibetan Buddhist belief in Shambhala, an ancient city located inside the earth. In Celtic mythology, there's a legend of a cave called Kruachan, or Ireland's gate to hell. They have their own gate, guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> Side note. Uh, Kruachan, I, th- I hope I'm saying that right too, uh, is also the name of a folk metal band from Dublin in the 1990s. Nice, nice. It's also a mythical and ancient cave from which, according to legend, strange creatures would emerge and be seen on the surface of Earth. I think they even addressed something like this in a, a Doctor Who season a few years ago. Too. <laughs> they probably did. Doctor Who's covered just about everything. I think so. There are some stories of medieval knights and saints who went on pil- pilgrimages to a. I wrote a Dave. I'm going to go find a Dave in Station Island. Not a cave, but a Dave. I'm <laughs> here <laughs> for Dave. Oh, my God. I'm on a crusade <laughs> to find a Dave. <laughs> uh, there are some stories of medieval knights and saints who went on pilgr- pilgrimages to find a cave in Station Island where they are said to have entered purgatory. There's also a myth about uh, also out of Northern Ireland. It says tunnels lead to to the land of the subterranean Tuatha de Danann, a group of people who are believed to have introduced Druidism to Ireland only to return to the underground. Hmm. You know, every time I see stories like this, I think, but where are they? Like, why did they just pop up here, go here and then go back to where they were? It's been like centuries and we've never seen these people again. But unless they just die off. Probably. They, I mean, they go to hell. I don't expect them to, to, like, come back. In the arms of the angels. Oh, my God. They just don't look the way you're supposed to. Yeah, you I guess. They just died. I mean, the devil was an angel. He was, according. Uh, <laughs> yep, he was. Yep. Since we're talking about religious texts. Yep. The underworld is also <laughs> depicted in Hindu, Indian, Cuban, Native American, Greek, Russian, Brazilian, and Mexican folklore, just to name a few. Almost all developed countries went through a period of time where they believed the Earth to be a hollow shell, home to multiple levels of human life. Hmm. Even Italian writer Dante described how uh, a hollow Earth is uh, like described a hollow Earth in his well-known 14th century work Inferno. So, 14th century, like you know, back before it even reached science. I love the Divine Comedy, exactly, in which the fall of Lucifer from heaven caused an enormous funnel to appear, and previously. Uh, a previously solid spherical earth as well as an enormous mountain opposite it called purgatory. So, so yeah. yeah. Like I said, I love the divine comedy. It's yes. like, I've never, I haven't read them all the way through, but I have played video games that exactly. followed the entire story exactly. of all three. I think you got the gist. And I kind of did. It was so good. Yeah. Such a good story. Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. That's okay. I got, I got lots to say. <laughs> I, I did a lot of research on this one. Yeah. So, how did this end up in the scientific community? Edmund Haley first put forth the idea of Earth consisting of a hollow shell about 500 miles thick with two inner concentric circles and an innermost core in 1692. He claimed atmospheres separated the shells and each shell had its own magnetic poles and rotating at different speeds. Hmm. And this was an attempt to explain the compass anomalies on the outside of the earth he thought that everything on the inside was like spinning different ways and was dragging our compasses all over the place interesting um he said that the atmosphere inside was also luminous and possibly inhabited speculating the escaping gas caused the aurora borealis 
For those that don't know, the aurora borealis, or northern lights, appear when charged particles from the sun strike atoms in the Earth's atmosphere, causing electrons in the atoms to move at a higher energy state. When the electrons drop back to a lower energy state, they release a photon, light. So basically, the aurora borealis is Mother Earth lighting her farts. Is it one classy broad? Oh my god. (laughs) I did not know that. Like, I mean, I knew it was like electrical charges, but I did not realize that it was basically just her lighting her farts. Essentially. I mean, it's not technically combustion, but yeah, you know, but, but still. this is our Haley guy and the concentric circle. He yeah. looks, he looks like somebody that looks would, reliable. Like his, his buzz in the middle. I his... mean, it's like, not only does he have like, you know, the powdered wig, but it's like a butt part. Exactly. Wig. Just right down the middle. Right down the middle. Just cleave him right in two. <laughs> Cut my hair into pieces. Oh my God, Tess. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> this is my plastic fop. Oh my God. <laughs> In 1781, Jean Antoine Leclerc, also known as Louis Milfort, I don't know why. What? I don't know why, but I like Louis Milfort too. They're just like, your name's too hard. We're going to call you Louis Milfort. Louis Milfort. (laughs) He led a journey with hundreds of Creek Indians to a series of caverns near the Red River above the junction of the Mississippi River. According to Mr. Milford, the original Creek Indian ancestors were believed to have emerged out of the surface of the earth in ancient times from the caverns. All 12 cave dueling people know each other, right? So he I mean, just yeah, brought absolutely. these poor Native American people back to these caverns and was like, go find your, your, go find your people. But, <laughs> go find your people. Oy. So Milford also claimed the caverns they saw, quote, could easily contain 15 to 20,000 families. It sounds to me more like these people were less underworld-dwelling people and more like people who lived in large caves. But yeah. I guess if you're thinking in terms of where dirt goes, you're yes, technically living underground. underground if you're in a cave. Yep. I technically? Think, yep. Yep, you're probably right. In 1818, John Cleves Sims Jr. suggested the Earth consisted of a hollow shell, mm. now 810 miles thick, with openings about 1,400 miles across at both poles. And with four inner shells... Each open at the poles. So he's got like 1,400 miles across plus those two mm-hmm. openings at the poles. Sims became the most famous of the Earth Hollow or Hollow Earth proponents, and Hamilton, Ohio, even has a monument to him and his ideas. Really? So this is our buddy, Mr. Sims. <clears throat> okay. And then this is the monument. And see, it's like a stone, like a hollow stone on top of what looks like a grave. That's weird looking. Kind of strange. Yeah. It's actually creepy looking. Yeah, it's odd. It looks like it should be in the middle of a cemetery, but I don't think so. I think it's just in the middle of a park. It's weird. Sims devoted the rest of his life, a whole four years, to garnering support for the Hollow Earth Expedition, but fell sick during a trip to Quebec in order to deliver a lecture on the theory in 1814. Uh, I shouldn't laugh about that. <laughs> no. but it's fell, he fell ill. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but uh, he had some some pretty wild theories though he died before his journey ever came to fruition his ambition inspired an arctic exploration and the first trip very first trip to antarctica i wrote in 1983 but that is not true i bet you that's supposed to be 1893 probably (laughs) i get like that with numbers too i I get numbers like i can look at a number and read it backwards because i just flip it my brain is just like no numbers numbers are no good no numbers But also since Sims was so busy on the lecture circuit, he never wrote a book on his theories. Mm. He uh, put plenty of other, like, other authors they did. In fact, some of his ideas were so popular that in 1868, Professor W.F. Lyons published, 
quote, the hollow globe, which put forth a Sims-like hollow earth hypothesis, but failed to mention Sims himself at all. That jerk. I know. Sims' son, Americus, then published the Sims theory of concentric spheres in 1878 to set the record straight. His name was um, American? Americus. Americus? Yes. America. Like Spartacus. Yes. But with America. Yes. Exactly. Was he from America? I. Uh, that's a good question. I doubt it at this time because, like, well, maybe it's 1868. So he definitely could have been American. Very well could be. Americus the American. I should have. I should have looked that up. Man, that's last year's motto. That's We're last- supposed to learn from this. <laughs> We're supposed to have a new motto this season. <laughs> oh, well, we should have looked that up. We should have. Also, so now we're going to move on to literature. Okay. As I mentioned, by the 20th century, and really by the 18th century, but now in the 20th century, by the time that rolled around, the hollow earth theory was widely regarded as a crackpot hypothesis, Mm -hmm. as scientists learned more about volcanoes, tectonic plates, and the like. One of the earliest mentions in fiction was in 1741 in Niels Klim's Underground Travels by Ludwig Holberg. Klim falls through a cave while spelunking and spends several hundred years on living on a smaller globe inside Earth. Mm-hmm. Mentions are also seen in Simsonia, a voyage of discovery by Captain Adam Seaborn, Edgar Allan Poe's 1893 novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket, Jules Verne's 1864 novel, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and George Sand's 1864 novel, Laura's Voyage Dans de Cristal, where unseen and giant crystals could be found in the interior of the Earth. I was waiting for Journey to the Center of the Earth to pop up. Absolutely. I knew and that's it was coming. Definitely in this one. Nequa, or the Problem of the Ages, which was first serialized in a newspaper in Topeka, Kansas in 1900 and considered an early feminist utopian novel, mentions <laughs> Sims' theory as an explanation for the hollow Earth they sail into. Okay. It's kind of like an account of... I think it was... It's... Written kind of like a War of the Worlds, but the way a lot of people write about it, it was supposed to be taken as like a conspiracy that they were trying to drum up in this newspaper. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So I think it was kind of more of a War of the Worlds. The idea was also used by Edgar Rice Burroughs, the creator of Tarzan, in the seven novel 1914 Pellucidar series, beginning with At the Earth's Core. Using a mechanical hmm. drill, the heroes discover a prehistoric world called Pellucidar, 500 miles below the surface that is lit by an inner sun. In recent years, the idea has come has become a staple of some science fiction and adventure genres, obviously. Right, right. In addition to movie adaptations of some of the books I've mentioned, it's also been used as a core concept in blockbusters like Kong Skull Island, on television series like Sanctuary, in comics like role-playing games and mm-hmm. video games like Gears of War, and in animated works like Torrance Passage, which was popular in the 90s. Right. I mean, there were even, like, works of fiction that, they weren't about earth but they were about like other worlds that had inner inner worlds um one of the chronicles of narnia books silver chair i think had Hmm. like an underground world that had like you know an underground sun and everything so i'm sure they probably took the same sort of inspiration the fact that we can't just you know punch through the earth and see what's inside like a cadbury egg (laughs) (laughs) like it's you know it's it's and very it inspiring. is it's very interesting and very you know yeah inspiring you know because everybody wants to know i mean we're curious creatures exactly so there's uh, actually another theory okay that's 
also ridiculous that we've also seen in pop culture too, which may not be entirely that far off. Okay. Uh, it's related to this one. It's, uh, reminds me of the Truman show a little bit. Ooh. <laughs> Instead of believing that humans live on the outside surface of a hollow planet, sometimes called a convex hollow earth hypothesis. Some have claimed humans live on the inside surface of a hollow spherical world so that our universe itself lies in that world's interior also known as the concave hollow earth hypothesis or sky centrism. So we saw that in, uh, I think the end of like interstellar where it's like the inside, the civilization is kind of on the inside of something. So basically if we were to go straight up, we would actually hit the other side of the world rather than going straight down. So if we went far enough up, we would eventually hit like Australia or something like that. Basically. Yeah. Or we, and which really doesn't make any sense because we rotate around a sun. We would have to be rotating like, the sun wouldn't stay in the same place all the time. Yeah. Technically. So, I mean, guys, your your idea is a little flawed. That's interesting. Weird and stupid, but interesting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Cyrus Teed, this guy is interesting. He's a doctor from upstate New York. He proposed the theory in 1869, calling the scheme the cellular cosmogony. Teed even founded a group called the Korshan Unity. And based on this notion, he called it the... Is this another cult that Sammy probably would have joined? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, and this is their, one of their propaganda posters. We live inside. It, oh, it's like it's in like a little chocolate shell. Exactly. Like a Cadbury egg. Yeah. Which we're not allowed to have in America. <laughs> I thought they fixed that. I think they did. I think it's Kinder Egg. That's that right. Looks, it's Kinder Egg. That looks more like a Kinder Egg. That's true. You know, like it's a little chocolate shell it's with a little toy inside or like inside. a Wonder Ball. Do you remember those? Yes. That, yes that's I do. that's a Wonder Ball. Oh my god. So this, we're just gonna refer to this as the Wonder Ball theory. This has been an evening of throwbacks. Yep. So the Korshans believed it, uh, they like evolved into a religious sect. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, a cult Sammy would have joined. <laughs> Living celibate <laughs> lives. Oh I know. Sammy's <laughs> out. <laughs> Establishing a farm, nursery, and botanical garden, and even creating their own arts and music. I tried to look for Korshanity music. I've tried so hard and I couldn't find any. Uh, I'm gonna make this my life's goal is to find this music. Exactly. The main <laughs> colony still survives as a preserved monument in Florida, but all of Teed's followers have died off. They claim to have experimentally verified the concavity of the Earth's curvature through surveys of the Florida coastline, making use of rectilineator equipment. What? What? Wait, what? What lineator equipment? And the concavity of you, you got that off of Florida's coastline? <laughs> so this whole like colony is in Florida and you can actually go visit it. You can go see like the old buildings that these people. What like, part created. of Florida is it in? I'm, uh, it looked kind of like Key West, but okay. I don't know specifically. I'll hmm. look that up. I should have looked that up. Hmm, you should have looked that up too. But so oh, let's I talk about some contrary that. evidence. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's come back to reality a little bit. <clears throat> Snack back to reality. Oh my god, oh, the ghost gravity. You're just a you're just a uh, <laughs> the the machine that plays music. I can't think of the word. <laughs> English is my first language, guys. I swear. Jukebox. Jukebox. That's the word. You're a jukebox tonight. So the contrary evidence to this: the seismic activity. The picture of the structure of the Earth that was seen, has that has been arrived at through the study of seismic waves is quite different from the hollow Earth hypothesis. Mm-hmm. The time it takes for a seismic waves to travel through and around the Earth directly contradicts a hollow sphere. The evidence indicates that the Earth is filled with solid rock, mantle mm-hmm. and crust, liquid 
with nickel iron alloy at the outer core and solid nickel iron at its deepest point. Mm -hmm. So we kind of we've figured this out. We're pretty smart by now. Also, gravity, massive objects tend to clump together gravitationally, creating non-hollow spherical objects such as stars and planets. The solid sphere is the best way to minimize the gravitational potential energy of an object, with hollowness being a literal waste of space and energy. Basically, a planet-sized hollow mass with the known observed thickness of Earth's actual (laughs) crust would collapse on itself. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. So, like, come on, guys. I mean, plus, we're not, like, a perfect sphere. Like, we're kind of smushy. Kind of egg-shaped. Egg-shaped. Like, egg-shaped. Squeeze Earth's little bum-bums. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thick. Thick boy. Thick Thick Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Going going to math with you for a second, guys. Uh Uh-huh. Based on the size of the earth and the force of gravity on its surface the average density of the planet is just over five and a half grams per pu- pubic oh my god Sorry. oh my god i might leave that in oh, please do <laughs> <laughs> oh that was one of those don't say pubic don't say pubic don't say pubic that, wow. that was a great freudian slip okay Okay, the average density of the planet is just over five and a half grams per cubic centimeter. (laughs) And typical densities of surface rocks are only about half that. If any significant portion of the Earth were hollow, the average density would be much lower than that of the surface rocks. The only way for Earth to have the force of gravity that it does for, like, much more dense material to make up the large part of the interior. Mm. So, like, it's obviously right yeah centrifugal force you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Centri- centrifugal force i can't speak I, english is my first language too guys i'm very sorry <laughs> we're having a great night <laughs> we've also got direct observation uh drilling holes doesn't necessarily provide direct evidence against the hypothesis the deepest hole drilled it to date was the cola super deep borehole mm-hmm. with a true vertical drill depth of more than seven and a half miles however the distance to the center of the earth is about four thousand miles or sixty four hundred kilometers for you newfangled metric folk it's not really newfangled i mean and it doesn't really make sense that we're, we're still American. using imperial we're, exactly <laughs> but mm. but yeah no that that um the the super large borehole or whatever it is super interesting i've definitely looked into that yeah. a lot and how it's like a portal or that's yeah. like a hole to hell like people have like i you should read the creepy pastas about this guys mm. what's it called again the cola <clears throat> super deep borehole okay Look that up. Read some of the creepypastas about it because they range from like, you know, demons crawling out to hearing the the screams of the damned, you know, like coming up from there. I mean, it's there's so many really good like stories about it. So, yeah, I've definitely read about that. It's a creepy concept, too. I mean, when you think about seven and a half miles down, that's deep. That's really deep, really deep. Like we can't even see that high. No, that's insane. Well, I mean. Planes fly, what, like one mile up or two miles up? Mile, mile high club, mile and a half high, maybe? It, I don't know how far I mean, it is, honestly. It's pretty insane. It's pretty far. Pretty up there. You know, Didn't you know this? <laughs> I should. I should. Being part of the Air Force, I should know this. I know that our planes that I work with fly, like, higher than any other, but that's because they're unmanned. Yeah. But I... I should know this. (laughs) I should have looked that up. So in conclusion, (laughs) we can pretty much gather that the hollow earth theory is bogus. I've actually seen similar theories uh, somewhere else in our solar system. Oh. Why did I write this? 
Well, the theory is pretty much bogus. I've actually seen a similar theory somewhere else in our solar system. The center, in fact. That's where, That's why I mentioned this. <laughs> because I recently saw an article uh, that was it talked about a, a an artist's rendition of what the sun actually could look like. Mm-hmm. And the sun could be a hollow sphere that loops on the outside. So it could have like this black hole that goes through the center of it and we just see the outside because oh, we're really? spinning around the outside. We only have the two-dimensional view of the sun because we can't go up and over. Right. So we can't see what's on the on the top. So there was this, uh, a bunch of scientists have put together that they think that our sun might be uh, basically what we've seen as the, the model of Agartha. It's like this black center with this energy like radiating, um, radiating around on the it. outside, yeah, which I thought really? was really interesting. Yeah, I'll that's, post it. I'll post an article on the uh, website. That's really yeah. fascinating. So basically, they're saying like there's like a black hole in the center of the sun, like a black hole sun. Exactly, black hole sun. I was I queued you, you up for that. Up. I set you up for that one. I set you up and you spiked it. I did. Um, uh, <clears throat> hey, the last time I played volleyball, I broke my ankle. So, <laughs> so that's we're playing a dangerous game. <laughs> But yeah, so basically there's a black hole in the center of the sun that's causing the gravitational pull of the it's planet. It's just another concept of that that I've seen in the yeah. uh, solar system of the same kind of uh, mapping and stuff. But yeah, it would basically be this like constant energy that's like... And that's what's keeping all the planets ball. in yep. a... In, in the in same gravitational plane. pull. Yeah. That's really interesting. Isn't it? That was... Okay, that was really fascinating. Right. Um, next yeah, week's like is that. fascinating too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Next week's I've got a good one planned. Yeah. Um, oh my God, actually, yeah, no, yeah. next, next well, week's I've got, oh my God. Okay. So basically I'm going to, I'm going to give a hint. Hmm. I'm going to give a hint oh, so hint that, it. so that people know what's coming in two weeks. Mm. So since Australia has been our number two listener for a while now, we love our Australian and we friends. Love our Australian we love friends, our friends down under. I decided that it was about high time that I did an Australian cryptid. Ooh. So you've done your Australian conspiracy theories before. I love. But for some reason, I keep jumping between like, you know, American and Native American cryptids. And I haven't done an Australian one before. Hmm. So I, there are some that I wanted to do, but they were just like, there wasn't enough. Like probably they would have been even shorter than tonight's cryptid, which was short enough as it was. But I came up with one that I think is going to be really, really good. Very cool. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. I'll, I'll give you, I'll drop you guys a little hint too. Um, uh, grab your loot. We're headed back to the 14th century. Ooh. Actually, 15th century. So the 1400s. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're so, Do some math we're and I'll so we'll see you in two weeks. This. We're okay, so guys. bad at this. All right, guys. Don't forget to go check out the website, all of our social media. You guys know how to find us. Yeah. www.conspiracyscryptids.com and all your favorite podcatchers. Yep. All your favorite podcat podcatchers. Podcatchers. We're just not on our game. We're not. Let me do this over. Let's start again. Ready? Roll it open. <laughs> Roll it all over again. Okay. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Don't and forget. Big, Big Brother, Brother is watching. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. Don't forget to check out our website, www.conspiraciesencryptids.com, for more episodes and other information. And if you're really enjoying what we're doing, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cryptipod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-P-O-D. There you can find different ways to support us and get some awesome goodies along the way. While you're at it, you can also find us on all of your favorite social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's any one of those at Cryptopod. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Leave us five stars and a nice little blurb about why you like us. It helps us to gain some traction and 
find some new listeners. And while you're at it, don't forget to tell your friends, because our friends are your friends. And don't forget, Big Brother is watching. watching.